Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We are here for week two week of two. conversations with me and Pastor Matt. Um, this is our second week. We're discussing uh, 1 Corinthians. It's good stuff. Yeah, man. I've, I've enjoyed it. Me I really too. Have. Yeah, so last week we talked about uh, just some things from Pastor Matt's message that was, uh, the title was, There May Be Hope for Us Yet. And if you're watching, there may be hope for you yet. There may be. Maybe. Maybe. That's the key word, may be. Uh, <laughs> but this week we're talking about Pastor Matt's message that's still fresh from yesterday. Um, yeah. The title was the, what was the title? Man, it was forget Forgettable. <laughs> It was the uh, the cause of chaos. There it is. Was the title? Yeah. I guess I should pull up my outline. Go ahead. I'll pull up. <laughs> I'll pull up your outline as well. I pulled it up yesterday on my iPad, and I realized that the the trouble that was caused the week before was an update uh, on my ooh, iPad. Really? Yeah, that was That's it. Why it lost it? Because yesterday's message, when I logged on, it wasn't on my iPad either. Wow. I don't. I don't write my messages on my iPad. I just use my iPad to preach from. So if, anyway. if you missed out on that that detail uh last week he got up to preach for the 9 a.m and he was like hey my notes are gone <laughs> and it happened in a split second yeah. i opened up my ipad there they were and then they were no more yeah lesson learned do not buy apple products hey come on that's not as we stream from an apple product <laughs> exactly <laughs> no but yeah it was just an update and so i was like man it did it again but it didn't quite do what it did the week before but my notes were not there and I pulled out my phone, and there they were. So I ended up preaching from my phone yesterday, um, from from my Evernote. But You're anyway, such a, such a modern coffee shop preacher. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, so, I would I would have pre- <laughs> I would have preferred to preach from paper, but it was just one of those things. Yeah. Uh, that it was what it was, and I didn't have time between nine and ten, the nine o'clock and the eleven o'clock to print them. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it was it was quite funny. I did the update today, and everything is there and working fine. So we should be good to go next week with no. But they'll but probably roll out another update before next week. I'm sure, but that's just like one of the many um, technological issues that we had yesterday. Some of you have so, no idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's issues that pop up. It's quite a production, you know, just to make sure all these things are are working. In yeah, it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But we have plans, and the we finance committee has approved, you know, said updates and improvements that that we've needed. And so I'm I'm just excited. I'm excited that it's going to be a lot less stress. With I think so. Yeah, <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. Right. That's what we said last time we got our rig straight. Oh man, it's going to be great. We're smooth yeah. sailing from here. And what was it about eight months? And here we are in a basically running our whole service on a laptop <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. It it's uh, all for His glory and His praise. Yeah. But um, I think that you know we're definitely we're future proofing with this mm-hmm. this new equipment that's coming Big and time. yeah, hopefully new camera setup. So hope prayerfully, most of the wires have been run. The hard work has been done. Mm-hmm. We've been in the attic last week. Yep. Oh man, it was excellent hot. week for it. Hundred degrees. <laughs> the worst there, at least. The worst week for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's going to get hotter. So mm-hmm. it's not the worst, but it's been the worst thus far. Yeah. But anyway, so hopefully you're done up there. Yeah, and and the tech will be improved. But yep. <laughs> anyway, I I enjoyed preaching it, regardless from a phone or a paper. It doesn't really matter, but I yep. I enjoyed it nonetheless. I'm gonna turn my uh, my auto lock off so I can look at this and as we scroll through with questions. But yeah, so the cause for chaos, the cause of chaos. Yeah, so really two weeks of 
uh, preparation, laying the groundwork for this new series. And I have just, I've been blessed. Um, and I always am, you know, it's, it's reading the, reading the Bible. I never read the Bible and go, man, that was a drag. That was a drag, a waste. That that didn't, that didn't really do anything for me. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't really happen. Um, (laughs) and if it does, I have to like repent and then (laughs) pray. (laughs) Yeah. And then I realize that it wasn't the Bible. It was me. And and then, you know, we're back to our regularly scheduled program. It's like on Scooby-Doo. Like, let's see who the villain is. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. It's me. Every time. Every Every time. time. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway. But yeah, this has been a, a great, great book. I've enjoyed it thus far. So what do you yeah. got? Hit me. Well, so I listened through. Because oh, I, didn't, I, I didn't even say anything. Though. Thank you for watching. Thank you so much for Thank watching. Thank you. Yeah. We're grateful, even though it was an afterthought. <laughs> no, you, you, you said something to him. I didn't. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. And yeah, this is just great to get to spend some time, exclusive time. And obviously, some pointed out that the podcast, right, if other people that aren't in this private facebook group can Mm -hmm. listen to this yeah um but this video content is exclusive or is it (laughs) (laughs) so did you put it it's unlisted so you made it public yeah well here okay here's fail so fail just to give you an explanation our patrons uh (laughs) you could be um to give you an explanation there I, we figured out quickly that there are multiple church members who don't have Facebook or oh. they don't use Spotify. Okay. And so I caved and put it on our YouTube channel. However, um, this this stream is only going live in our private Facebook group. First. So it premieres there first, oh. and then the content is later put on YouTube and Spotify, but it never goes to our public Facebook page, mm. the whole stream. So mm. the, the whole stream is private to our Facebook group, but the stream... After it's finished, goes, goes to, YouTube. to YouTube and Spotify and so on and so forth. For them to consume. So you get it yeah. first. So those you of you first. tuning in, watching first. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm just thankful to have this conversation with you and continue the um, the thought and the message from Sunday. And I just think this is, uh, it's just, it's a little bit more. Um, and I hope it's a blessing. But anyway, mm-hmm. what do you Good got? Stuff. Hit me. So... As I was listening through, and this ties into the title, The Cause of Chaos, but it, it seems to me when reading through and listening to what you were saying, you know, Paul, is a, he's addressing issues within the Corinthian church, but he's hitting it from the angle of like, hey, what you're doing and what you're facing with these problems isn't the problems themselves, but these things all share like a common origin, um, is kind of what I picked up that you were throwing down. Like mm-hmm. the true root cause of what they were dealing with was not the occurrences of the problems themselves. And so I guess um, can can maybe you speak to a maybe a difference in approach when identifying and dealing with with the actual force behind issues? Because I think we all have issues, but I you know I think that dealing with a problem and dealing with the root of a problem mm. are are two different things. And I thought that's kind of that was neat how you were getting at that. Well, do you, are you asking like how to find the problem or once, once you find it, how to deal with it? So maybe once, maybe once a problem is identified, maybe mm-hmm. once you identify a problem, like figuring out where the root of that problem would be. Cause if we want to deal with the root, like it's pretty plain to all of us, I mm-hmm. think what our problems are, mm-hmm. but when dealing with the root of a problem to keep the problem from growing again, mm-hmm. like how do we, how do we identify where that's coming from? Or is it as simple as, you know? Hey, 
we're all sinners. You know, that's our problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's a part of it. But I think identifying it, um, you know, this seems it's the uh, I'm trying to you could probably Google it. The um, the fella, the, the owner of Toyota, the five wise, mm. you know, what I'm talking about owner of Toyota, his name. Yeah. He has that book. I think it's a book he wrote, but maybe it's, maybe it's not a book, but it's just the someone else. Maybe that took the concept of the five Kichiro wise. Toyota. Yeah. Maybe that's him. Google five wise, five wise. And I don't, you know, it's obviously it's something that he used. Um, and I believe it was like on the assembly line, uh, of manufacturing vehicles. And when there was a problem, a breakdown, um, the question why was asked five times. Um, and this is kind of how it was given to me. And it was a, um, a friend of mine who was a boss. He was, he was over me in a, in a company in, in a corporate setting. And, uh, I respect, respected him a lot. He's a good, good guy. Um, and he would teach me, you know, like, look, when, when there's a problem, something that comes up either on your sales team or in life, like you can use this and it applies. And, you know, generally, if you ask the question, why is that broken? Um, you're going to get the the symptoms, the surface level. But when you continue to dive into that and continue to ask that question, well, why did that happen? Well, why did that happen? Well, well why did that happen? Uh, by the time you reach the fifth why, um, five whys, um, you, you've gotten to the root cause of the problem or you should be close to it. And so I think part of it is just understanding that Paul is using the beginning of this, um, chapter one, verses one through 17 specifically to really point out and narrow down, um, you know, the root cause of the chaos that they're, that they're dealing with in order to launch from that. So really Paul is, you know, reverse engineering that. And, and I think that there's some really good stuff there in that approach, like to say, so, so Paul's already under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He already has the, he already has what he believes to be the why. He already has what he believes to be the, the cause of the chaos. And so he starts with that. Um, so the lesson there for us is number one, if we, if we don't have the why, if we don't have the cause, we need to keep working until we get there, right? That's mm-hmm. the first part because that is the only addressing that issue uh, is the only way we're going to fix the problems. And so first see how Paul is approaching this by getting to the root cause of the problem and saying, okay, if I have an issue in my relationship, in my walk with the Lord, um, whatever that may be, I, I should start with the problem. I should start with the root uh, or else it's going to manifest itself in other areas. And so I think that looking at his approach here has been very helpful for me mm-hmm. just to say, hey, we're going to we're going to come out of the gate and we're going to address the problem. And he doesn't shy away from it. No, I mean, he goes right at it. Um, so, but I think that it's helpful for us. So that's, that's a fun little tidbit for you. Five whys, asking the question why five times when you're approaching a problem and you're looking at this going, what is the issue here? Continue to dive deep, continue to go deeper. Um, because it's a lot more effective to get to the root cause of that problem and then work from there rather than deal with a surface level issue and then deal with the surface level issue. It's like, if you have, you know, uh, I was talking to my sister, she's, um, she has mold in her bathroom and, 
uh, it, she lives in Ohio, and she was kind of discussing how they've constantly been dealing with either the wallpaper or the paint and the bubbling. And then she finally figured out like, oh my goodness, this is like, yeah, this is a manifestation of, of, of something greater, you know? And so now she is uh, tearing walls out and looking behind those walls. And, and then she's noticing, okay, there's a leak, you know, that, that's causing the moisture, that's causing the mold. Right. The mold wasn't the problem. The it's leak not. was the problem. The leak is the problem. But it's taken time, and all of that time that she has spent, you know, going, well, I'll just fix this, I'll just fix this, I'll just fix this. Guess what? It got worse. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. I think that establishing in your relationships and in your walk with the Lord, or even in, and this could be as simple as saying, even in your Bible study, why is that there? Why did he say that? Mm-hmm. Well, let's ask the question, well, why did he say that? Right. Why would he want to say that? Well, then why would he want to say that? You know, and so you can take this and ab- about the fifth time you ask the question, I think you'll get to some sort of an answer. Was I, was there a book on it or no? I, I couldn't. It seems like there's several books on the uh, topic, but if you just Google five whys, that's good. And then Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why is probably a good one, too, on a, a similar concept, but not really. Yeah. Well, there's I guess there's just a whole little method right there. Yeah. Yeah. I five thought, whys. There it is. Yep. I thought what was interesting, what you just said, like not only, and I think this is practical in a lot of ways, but like we're talking about dealing with the root of issues, whatever they are. And like you were saying with your sister's house, like not only does dealing with the fruit of a problem, like it doesn't get rid of the problem, but it actually makes the problem worse under certain circumstances because the problem itself doesn't go away. It just manifests itself in different ways and it continues Mm. to strain and to bog down and to, you know, to destroy really. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Um, So that, that's good. I'm kind of in a similar, not to drag the point on, but I think about, you know, I'm, we're selling our house and we planted some flowers in this mulch bed that I built and, you know, I can't get the weeds to stop growing Mm. and that's because I can't, you know, I haven't, been diligent enough to just kill the root mm. just kind of throw some mulch over top of it yeah it's a problem it's stupid is what it is well <laughs> you know the the importance <laughs> of digging it up and putting plastic down and, and treating that soil ahead of time mm-hmm. you know it cause it saves you so much time in the long run yep you know so I, I just think that it's such a good point it's it's a good practice it's a good best practice to just deal with root causes yeah you know rather than symptoms and this literally applies to everything everything child rearing you know it's it i you just see it over and over and over again and it manifests itself in parents being frustrated with their children mm-hmm. and and i'm just like some of the things i'm hearing i'm going all you're doing is addressing symptoms right you're not addressing why <laughs> you're these not. symptoms keep recurring yeah so therefore you know if and i don't mean this in a in a mean sort of way but you know if if the parent hasn't reached hasn't reached a mature enough point to mm-hmm. say like I'm going to do the work with my child to address that, then, then the child rearing needs to be flipped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's you know true. what I mean? Like that's the point of parenting. The point of parenting is to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's older, he will not depart or she will not depart. So the, the point is to teach your children how to solve problems. Right. Because <laughs> one day you're not going to be there to no. continue to coach. And I think that's like for me when I'm, and uh, Ruby is, is, walking and and i mean it's like 90 percent correction all day long at this point mm. because she just gets into everything but it's cute at the same time like yesterday she like grabbed i mean the house is staged so she just grabs stuff 
yeah. and runs away with it, and she thinks it's hilarious, and mm-hmm. I do too. <laughs> but I'm like, stop it, <laughs> stop yeah. it right now. Yeah, and I just I can't, you know, like it's fun. Like I want to laugh, and I do to myself, and you know, when we're not with her, but. But you know there's going to be circumstances know, when it's not funny. Right. And I know uh, all I can think about is like one day she's going to be older and I'm yeah. not going to be there to continually correct and correct. And she's going to bear yeah. the consequences of those actions if she doesn't know early on to not do them. Yeah. You know, it's a burden. But so it's a good thing across the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Across the board. And and to not be so surface level in your Bible study or in your relationships or in any of these things that the Lord leads us into, mm-hmm. to be satisfied with living on the surface. You know, that's not that's just not something that, that the Lord has called us to. Mm-hmm. He's redeeming like every aspect of us. And part of that is saying, look, his redemptive work is designed to go deep, unearth, and that's why he you know, he says, They that be in Christ, they're new creations. Yeah. They're new creatures. You know, and so the the heartbeat of the gospel is not to allow us to continue in the symptoms, Mm -hmm. you know, but to allow us, I mean, because that's really where where freedom is had, right? Where we actually can experience a garden without weeds, you know? To live a surface level life is to live a life full of plucking weeds Mm. constantly. Yeah. And it's exhausting. It's yeah, absolutely it, it exhausting. So, and you buy yeah. like five different <clears throat> weed killers, and none of them do what they say they do. But you can't return them. <laughs> it just it don't don't live a surface level life. Yeah, That's don't the be the Christian line. that just has a a bucket of Roundup. You know, do yeah. the work. And by the way, Roundup yeah. terrible for the environment and pets. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't look in my shed. I think uh, too. Before before we run off from that, I think it's also. You know, I've just, I keep thinking about child rearing in this. It's, you know, you will enjoy your children so much more. You will enjoy the good gifts that the Lord gives you, you know, if you learn to to put the work in on the front end and towards the the root cause of the problem. Anyway, I'm sad enough. No, that's good. And so there's, okay, so back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, um, First rabbit trail. That's great. That's the uh, conversation. That's yeah, what happens. Conversations. That's what we're having. What it's for. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, Paul addresses a lot of back and forth. Like some of you say you're of Apollos and some of you say you're of Cephas and, and of Paul. And, you know, he's like, I didn't baptize a single one of you. And I just, listen, we're here to ask the hard questions. And I have to ask you in front of uh, Jesus and the whole world, are you, are you of Apollos or are you of Paul? What's mm. your choice? I would say that I'm more of an Apollos kind of guy, <laughs> just based on the descriptors that we have of him yeah. in the text. But Paul is my favorite. That's actually a surprising answer. I didn't expect you to say that. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, just as just far who as... he is. Yeah. I prob- I would align more with, with Apollos um, in my personality, in my Enneagram type. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul's my favorite. Yeah. And I think if Paul were sitting here today, he'd be like, how many letters in the New Testament does Apollos have? And I've got 13, <laughs> you know. Well, they said it, right? And I thought that was so fun. Looking at Paul, he, he says it here in verse, um, let's see if I can find it. The possibilities, it says that he was weighty. Uh, his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is weak and his public speaking amounts to nothing. He called him out for roasting him. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And that's, you know, I, I think it's just funny uh, the way that he didn't shy away from how other people viewed him and how, you know, it, it to him, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, that's not the that's not what we're after here. You right. know, we're not after winning arguments in the public sector. Yeah. But anyway, 
He's like, it's, listen, it's not about me. But just so you know, I'm not as weak and frail as you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as far as me, I'm probably cut from, because I grew up independent Baptist, I'm cut from the Apollos cloth. Yeah. But I wish to be a, a Paul follower. Right. Yeah. Interesting. But anyway. And Apollos might have wrote Hebrew, Hebrews. We never know. Yeah, we I think never he did. Know. Who knows? You know who wrote Hebrews? I think it's Apollos. Jesus did. Yeah. What did I say to you originally? <laughs> oh, it's Paul. like Luke like, oh, or something. Or, I can't even remember. I feel like you said Paul. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was dumb. Off the cuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Luke, I think, is a, is a good candidate, but apparently... Viable. Yeah. Apparently, the Greek used to... Like, the way it's written is, is superior. Like, I think it's the most complex Greek in the New Testament. Not that this mm. matters to most people listening yeah. or watching. It's just um, the conversation. Just Yeah. <laughs> just I don't know. I thought it was interesting if they're like, maybe Apollos did it. And I'm just yeah. like, you know, who cares? I think there's probably people who have dedicated a large portion of their professional career mm-hmm. trying to find that out, and there's still no answer. No. So, the commentary that I'm favoring in this study specifically said that, you know, they think that it was Apollos. Yeah. Whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a this is like a hinge pin moment for me when you mm. you were talking about um, it was powerful when you had talked about the conduct of the church and I'm kind of condensing what you said so if I'm misrepresenting you feel free to correct me you're probably um, gonna say it in a better way so yeah. we'll just we'll let the conversation trump the message how about that <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, but when you talked about how the conduct of the church has the ability to essentially mar uh, or diminish the effect of the cross. And I thought that was really like loaded. Would you mind unpacking that a little bit more? Um, I think that it's, you know, right here, I'll just read the verse. I think I have it. It just, it says here <clears throat> for, this is Paul's concern, right? Uh, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom so that the cross, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied, mm-hmm. will not. So a future a future event. Okay. So present tense to future tense. And this is kind of like where, where I believe his letter is, is saying, if you're, if you continue in this, then this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It will be emptied. So, and I think that we, you know, I'm going through that revelation series uh-huh. um, on the naked Bible podcast, but, you know, the, the sense that that was to those churches of that day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's, you know, there is this, wait a minute. You mean, <laughs> you mean that revelation meant something here. to the original audience. <laughs> wow. This continue. Is, go ahead. Yeah. Here we go. We just showed our <laughs> hand. Not that I agree or disagree. Um, but the point was, you know, there's, there's levels of, mm-hmm. you know, cooperation. Yeah. And, you know, basically, Look, if you don't get this straight, this is going to happen. You know, yeah. the angel, you're going to lose your divine protection. Anyway, uh, whatever that looks like, right. whether that was a Cut physical off. angel or, yeah. Anyway, uh, the point is, is I believe Paul is writing this letter because of the imminent danger mm-hmm. of that happening. And so um, if, if that's the case, then when, when a church is, is there, it's birthed. I think that it has in fullness the power of the cross. Yeah. It has in fullness. And so you have to look at this on an individual level. You know, when you're saved, when you're a baby, when you're a, a newborn in Jesus, if we if we just put it that way, I think everybody kind of understands that language. Mm-hmm. Um, you're equipped 
you're, you're equipped to grow in the spirit of God. And then we know, and we're going to learn more about it in this study, but he's given you good gifts to actually expound upon that. Um, and so I, I just think that we look at that like, man, that's something that we could really mess up. Yeah. You know, and that's scary. And yeah, I was going to say that's really scary. And I think for us, when we think about church conduct Mm -hmm. and, you know, for us as Westerners, we look at that like, oh, well, yeah, you know, get your act together in in church, you Mm -hmm. know, but for Paul in the first century, like church, you know, the the conduct of the church was not confined to their gatherings. It was confined to their whole lives. And to think about, you know, the cross, the effect of the cross being diminished in any way because of how we conduct ourselves, like that's really, really sobering. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, you know, wow. Well, and that's like the individual aspect versus, you know, the corporate aspect. Mm -hmm. You can't just, you can't separate yourself from the whole. You're a part of it, you know, and, and that's where in his greeting, he talks about, you're the church of God, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and and I think I've been a part of traditions in my past that, you know, denied that, that sort of collective corporate body of the church. Right. You know, it was very individualistic, um, which I think is er- erroneous, um, just based on the text that we're currently reading. Right. You know, yeah. we see that Paul didn't have that mm-hmm. view. Paul didn't treat, uh, he didn't take autonomy to an unhealthy level. Right. Um, so just because you're an autonomous church doesn't mean that you're not connected to other churches, Key. um, the body yeah. of Christ. So, right. uh, but anyway, the, the point is, is that you as, you know, someone who's a part of Bethlehem Church, um, you're, you're a part of a body. And, you know, man, if you have a, a finger that's out of joint, it's going to affect the whole body. Your yep. day is going to be ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, because of one finger. Because of one finger. And so the danger, let this, you know, let this really, and that's what verse 17 does, and, and I've, I've kind of stated this yesterday over and over, verse 17 lays the foundation for what we're going to talk about, verse 18 on through chapter 4. So the foundation is, the, the scare here is that the cross is emptied of its power, mm-hmm. and that's the power that the church has. The I, I, I want to get, because I've already been studying for next week's sermon, I really want to get into it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to refrain um, cause I'll steal my own thunder for, for this coming Sunday's message. But verse 18 is so good and you see what is on the line. And so, but just from a, uh, retrospective type, you know, conversation here today, it is, it, sh- it is, and it should be sobering to you to think that, man, what I do in my everyday life has the potential of emptying the church of its, of the power of Jesus you know, and so you're connected. If you have become a covenant member of a faith community, mm-hmm. if you have declared your loyalty to Jesus and you have been baptized into the body of believers, you're a part of this. And so based on that, you have the capacity to, you know, ruin and empty the church of its power. And that's, yeah. that's dangerous. And I think that's the that's the significance that we miss sometimes is mm. that like whether we like it or want it or not, like we as believers as the body of the church, like we carry that weight. Yeah. Whether we know it or accept that. If mm-hmm. we accept him, then that's that's the burden that we carry. And yeah. I, and I and maybe burden is a wrong 
choice no. of word. Pick but up it, your cross and yeah, follow me. I, th- I think it's fair. a great word. Yeah. It, mm. And it's going to get even more vivid yeah. in, in the coming weeks. Paul's going to lay it down. Yeah. Mm. No, it's a, it's a great word for it, burden. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, that's something that we... <laughs> I'm over here like, whew. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah. It's the burden... You know, the burden of proof, right, lies within you. And I think about Acts 1 8, that's the verse that just kind of came to mind. I think it's 1 8, but mm-hmm. the point of that you're going to be witnesses of me. <laughs> you know, when the right. Holy Spirit fell, uh, and of course it hadn't at that point, mm-hmm. you know, he's just saying, look, this is what's going to happen as Jesus is ascending. He's a, he, he says, you're going to be witnesses. That is a legal, that's, that's a, a legal obligation. Right. You witness this, and now you're going to be put on the witness stand. Yep. And so it, the burden of proof is, is on you. And that's where it's important for us to see that we need the power of the young Gillian, the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, need, we need the power of that to actually do what it is designed to do, to be the witness, to be the burden bearer, and to actually be effective does not require eloquent speech, does not require what is of Paul and of Apollos. It doesn't require right. human wisdom. It requires what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. And in the midst of all of the... Excellent segue into the next one. <laughs> in the midst of all of the the backbiting and the name, you know, I'm of this guy, I've, this guy's my favorite, whoever, uh, you know, in Paul's call for unity, he's, you know, he uses the name. And I have, we had to talk about it. The name. I knew you would bring it up. Mm, I had to. Name. I had to, and and for Paul, and I think, and we talked about this earlier, because it's just such a rich, mm-hmm. rich topic. But for Paul to come in the name of Jesus, like to to in the Old Testament, and let me just give you, I put down a scripture here, and there's many, but this was one that just popped up in my search that I felt was fitting. Um, but this is Nehemiah one nine, and this will kind of give some context to what I'm about to say. Um, but uh, it says, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, those of you who have been scattered. We're in the most remote part of the heavens. I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about, you know, basically in, in the Old Testament, God's, and the Pentateuch points towards this where, you know, all of these instructions are like, when you come, when you go into the land and you build a structure where my name will dwell, where I will place my name, you know, this is where you'll do this, those things. And so the name in the Old Testament is, in fact, like that is a, an indirect way of referring to God's presence. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is not invoking like verbiage when he's talking about coming in the name of the Lord. Like he's like, hey, like this is coming to you. This call for unity is coming from me and I'm coming to you in the presence of God. Mm. Like that's, that's what's behind me. Not this special name, this incantation that I'm speaking, but like the name, the presence of God wants unity. Mm. And I thought that was super powerful. And I was telling you, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite mic drop Jesus moments, and there's a lot of them, uh, but when, you know, when the Pharisees are talking to Jesus and they were like, you know, Abraham is our father, you know, and Jesus goes on. But one of the things that he says is, you know, before Abraham was, I am. Mm. And that's, you know, one of the ways of, of dropping <laughs> the divine name. Like Jesus is like, hey, guess what? I'm Yahweh. And they're like, yeah. they lost their minds. Mm-hmm. And honestly, understandably so, if you don't believe who Jesus said he was. And That's right. Yeah. It's, so there's, there's so much there. But for Paul to, to petition that and, you know, and you brought up the Yahweh thing that most people, it's not vernacular that's 
uh, it's not vernacular that's commonly used, but it's actually like his name comes up over 6,800 times in the Old Testament. Yeah. Like it's, it's insane. And we just, we don't know it because our translations go by a, a scribal tradition of putting the Lord over that as a, as a form of respect, mm. you know, but man, that was, I just, I loved that every second of it that you put in there. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I, I'm more, I'm new to that, newer to some of these concepts, you know, just based on some of the, the fellows who have been reading, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. Um, but it, it just carries more weight when you talk about the presence of the Lord, the name of the Lord, you know, it's, and, and I didn't have, I still don't feel like I had an accurate illustration other than, you know, my children. That was kind of how I... Yeah. Well, I, I thought that was good. You used the illustration of like, you know, when God, when God's telling Moses to go to them and he's yeah. like, they're not going to listen. And, you know, and that, that I thought that was I mean, pretty, that's about as, as close of a connection I think as you can make. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's more about the weight, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's the weight of it, um, knowing that if that being chooses to move towards this thing, whatever it is, something is going to happen. Yeah. You know, and that's Mm -hmm. where, you know, Paul is like, I have, you know, I have confidence that this is what's going to happen. You're Mm -hmm. going to do, you're doing this and and then this is going to be the, the cause and effect now of your actions. Yeah. And, and so just seeing that it was in the name of Jesus, how I, I just didn't want to skip over that. In times past, like it was, it just did not have. It just doesn't compute and carry. As much. No, it didn't have and carry the weight that I have now, and and you know the understanding that I have now towards that, um, and yeah. So yeah. anyway, I think it's just more about connecting. And if you're if you haven't reached this place kind of in your walk, it shouldn't be about reading the Old Testament separate from the New Testament, from this from this place of like oh, that's kind of like harder to understand and this is easier to understand. Mm-hmm. It should be <laughs> more about how does the New Testament shed light on what the Lord said then and there? Um, because if you look at it from that perspective, it's it's going to paint a fuller, uh, brighter, more vivid picture for you. Yeah, big time. Then, well, I, I like the Jesus of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I can understand the Jesus of the Bible, but I, I can't really get down with this Yahweh figure. Right. That doesn't work, first of all. You know, and so for what Cody's saying is, look, when Jesus said, oh, well, I am, <laughs> he's invoking the he's fact invoking that... That he, he is the name. He is the name. He is the manifestation. John 1, you, you, know, you talked about John that. John 1, yeah. He's the manifestation of that presence in human form. And so... You know, I'm, I'm trying to really hit this, and we have a lot of people in our church, which is really neat, that, you know, we're recommending a lot of this literature and a lot of these authors mm-hmm. to, um, and and I can see a difference in, in the people in our church, in our congregation now, that are reading and that are doing the work to going deeper, the five whys, that are doing the work of, you know, really studying and trying to understand the Bible in its context it brings so much more clarity it does. In, in the practical end of like Corinthians and some of these things. And honestly, it brings more weight a ton for you to just say, well, you know, I was saved in the name of Jesus and I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be different and I'm going to this, I'm going to that. Like when you look at the presence of the Lord, 
and how the presence of the Lord was treated in the old covenant and then how that is literally translated to us being mm-hmm. the tent that is pitched and him dwelling his name is yes. on it it just brings so much more weight to the equation where you're like now i understand the mm-hmm. why paul is really going to get down into the nitty gritty because paul it clicks for paul that's yahweh yep that's that's the name that's the angel of the lord yep the angel of the lord that that <laughs> that God went said, my through. name is in him yeah and and so it's like you look at the 10 plagues right the the most horrific plague is the firstborn being killed mm-hmm. so we just continue that illustration right of of moses going in the name of the lord well it's the angel of the lord that goes mm-hmm. in and wipes out yeah the you know the firstborn so it's the angel of the lord really that's i mean i would argue um I believe it would be Yahweh's power yeah. coming in manifestation, not just necessarily some other angel. It's like, you it's know, him. it's him. Yeah. And and so and I think that's confirmed in Ezekiel because you can go back and forth. Like, was it God? Was it an angel? Did he just, t- and, and people dance around that to try to make it sound more palatable. But I think it, it comes full circle and, and Yahweh's like, yeah, I killed the firstborn. Like that was me, you know? Yeah. And it's, that's, that's weighty. That's deep. And, and, and what's that, so weighty about that? T- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was done. Well, it, what's so weighty about that for me as I make that connection is, you know, there's so many people that are going to say that's not just. Right. That's not just. Why would the Lord kill babies? Mm-hmm. But you have to see that this was a civilization that was a manifestation of another God. Yep. And so when you look at Pharaoh being the son of that God, was it Re? Ra. Ra. Well, there's a lot. There's a pantheon of gods. Multiple, True. But I think Ra was like the head That's of the, the sun, sun deity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you look at Egypt being a manifestation. The sun was Pharaoh, the son of the gods, the manifestation of that god that ruled over that civilization, I guess would be a way of saying it. Mm-hmm. What he's doing is, is he's saying like the, the end of that god is, is something that I'm bringing about. And I'm I'm crafting and redeeming these people, yeah. And I'm birthing into them something that is new life, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, Jesus, the first born, the first born among many, mm-hmm. you know. And so you get this like this language, this view, this perspective, like the ten plagues of Egypt. It's it's so much deeper. It is. There's so much more weight there behind that. And, and I think yeah. That- I think having that perspective too, and I tell people all the time, like what, you know, cause I'm, I'm big into context at this point and I feel like I always have been, but I've finally found like some really good avenues of pursuing that. Yeah. And I tell Helping people all the time, like, Hey, you know, like this stuff, like it doesn't, it doesn't really change anything, but it also changes everything mm. at the same time. Like mm-hmm. it brings a whole lot more gravity mm-hmm. to these things. And then you look at the 10 plagues and like, this is, this is the God of Israel waging war against the deities of Egypt and showing himself to be a hundred percent, you know, and then on the death of the firstborn thing, like, Hey, Pharaoh had like nine chances <laughs> before that. Like, Oh yeah. You know, how do we, you know, and then on top of that, Egyptians killing the Israelite babies, you know, like this is, this is war, but I think know? that it's not, and this is where it, it, yes, it's war, but I think the justification piece where we come in, that's, that's where we have it wrong. And and this is something that I'm currently battling with. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? I got a good thing, but finish that thought. Well, I, I just, where I'm coming at, my wife's calling me. 
uh, where I'm coming at with this is the idea that, um, you know, we're looking at, it's just, you know, everyone has this opportunity of living. Everyone has this opportunity of, of being, you know what I mean? Of, of living and growing and all of that, you know, and it's like, the opportunity that we have that has been afforded to us mm-hmm. is only the opportunity that God's grace has afforded us. Yes. And so the goodness that we have, the goodness that we send into the world, right? Speak it into the universe. Speak it into the universe. All of that type <laughs> behavior that this culture is is touting, they're all like scraps mm-hmm. from the goodness of God. It's a cheap imitation. It is a cheap imitation. Mm-hmm. And what God says is, I'm going to be born, I'm going to send my firstborn, Jesus, and he is going to do the necessary work. This is the gospel. This is the power. The power is, is that firstborn. Pharaoh was, was willing to kill anyone in, in his kingdom, and, mm-hmm. and that's seen by his hardened heart, Yep. right? He was willing to let all of them die. God, Yahweh, sent his only begotten son, one, one was willing to let his son be killed for his own pride. The other true God, Yahweh, sends his son. Mm-hmm. And in humility, and that's that, that yep. Philippians 1 and Philippians 3, in that humility, he does the work for us to be redeemed, yep. for us to be made, watch this, a son and daughter. Yeah, That's mind-blowing. So it's like such, it is a cheap, continuing down that road, it's such a cheap interpretation to say, well, why would God do that? Why would God kill a firstborn? You have no, uh, like, for us to say that is just ignorance. It is ignorance. It's complete ignorance to say that, no, God was warring with a deity. He -hmm. was warring with someone who was killing. And and just look at the, the ancient civilizations that were servant to those gods. They sacrifice babies. <laughs> I yeah. mean, tons of them, nearly all. I mean, I don't have like mm-hmm. a well, that was, historical record, but that it was, was part of the Part of the reason the Israelites went into exile was they were they were sacrificing their children, and God said like, no, that's, that's right. not going to happen on my land. Right. And I think what's ignored a lot, too, is when you think about the Passover. Take it. I'm going to text her real quick. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, when you think about the Passover, the Pesach in Hebrew, uh, the protection, as it would be worded, um, you know, that's something that was not exclusive to the Israelites. You know, the Egyptian, anybody who put, you know, who, who killed their, their sacrifice and put the blood on the doorpost in that pattern would have been spared from the death angel. Mm. So, like, it's not, it's not even that it was a closed door, that there was no salvation available. It's the same, that God offered salvation, and it goes you know, to all. It goes to all. Mm-hmm. Anybody could have done that, and, but they chose yeah. not to, and, and they suffered the, the penalty for that. And I, and I think this has to continue that thought that there is freedom of choice mm-hmm. and, and that choice is not because of a, you know, it's not because of a big mean God. It's because of a loving God. Right. He if, loves us enough to, yeah. to allow us to choose. And he does that based on his choice of already doing the hard thing. We can live from victory or, yep. Oh, I want to give it away. I want to give away. Ah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. There's, there's this verse 18 Spoiler alert. What, you know, anyway, I'm going to stop right there because that's getting right into next week's message. But yeah. Anyway, such good stuff, though. Yeah. And just the name stuff. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw this little tidbit the out there. Um, when I was listening to his sermon earlier and I heard him talking about it and we, t- we think about Jesus being the embodiment of the name, God indwelling a person mm. in the person mm. of mm. Jesus. Mm. 
And as, as, as New Testament believers, well, as believers, I, I think that might get misconstrued, but uh, as a believer, like Jesus, that same presence indwells inside of us as believers, the same thing. And so John, uh, this is a, a good scripture. Uh, if you're familiar with the, everybody knows John 1 because, it, you know, it starts off, in the beginning was the word and the word, uh, you know, was, was with God and the word was God. But this is uh, John 1, 14. Uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The the word for dwelt there is is Greek. It's es- eskenosin. Um, and, you know, John says, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of, full of grace and truth. And so first we see, you know, the dwelt thing and glory is, is the glory lived in the temple in the Old Testament. But uh, eskenosin, if you do a, a any kind of word search or, or study, you know, and I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, words don't get their definition by a dictionary. It's context will reveal what the word actually means. But in this sense, it kind of feels out of place. So if you do a Septuagint search, which if you're listening and you don't know what that is, the Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Old Testament uh, that was produced around the time of Alexander the Great, uh, you know, when everything was being Hellenized and, and Greek, Greekized. Um, that's not a word, but hmm. if it, it, it fits the bill. Um, and so this is the New Testament, or sorry, not New Testament. This is the Bible of the first century church was the Greek it's what they translation. Were it's what they were reading. It's what they had. Um, and it worked really well because Greek was the language of the known world at the time. And so that was a huge tool. And so when you look up that word eskinosin in the Septuagint, in the Greek translation of the, the Hebrew Bible, um, every time it's used, it's talking about pitching a tent. You know, Lot pitched his tent in Sodom. He eskinosin, you know, his tent mm. is how it's used. And so John's literally, if you were to literally translate that, it's, you know, this Jesus, the word became flesh and pitched a tent among us. And mm. we saw his glory, the glory of the tent. Mm. And we think about the tent of meeting in the Old Testament. Come on. I mean, like you can't make this the stuff Abraham up. Abraham and yeah. every time. Uh. It's just, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. And Jesus this is, came and pitched his tent. He pitched his well, tent. Well, Yahweh. Yeah, right. In the form. Same thing. Same guy. Uh, Same guy. Same dude. I'm just saying, it's kind of like Batman. Nobody's seen Bruce Wayne and Batman in the same room together. Like, I'm just saying. Yeah. Nobody's ever seen Jesus in the glory in the same room together. Same guy. Um, But man, that is just. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And this is the kind of, this is why we're doing this. Like, these are the things that casual. Bible chills. You know. The Bible goosebumps. The Bible goosebumps. Like, this is good stuff. And this isn't stuff that's original to us. We're just, we happen to be fortunate enough to have good content available to us, you know. And that same content's available to you mostly for free, you know, the same places we get it. Yeah. Um, It's the greatest time to be alive. It is. There's so, we have an embarrassing amount of information for Bible study and we just don't tap into it. No. You know, we just don't. Um, but that's... I love are, that. He pitched his tent. He pitched his tent. Oh, my goodness. And the same... Oh, man. Yeah. Jesus has now oh pitched his... <laughs> so good. Um, <laughs> Jesus is pitching a tent inside of you. Yeah. That's, oh, my goodness. That sounds strange at first glance, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, that's great. Um, so that, well, those, are, those are the things that I picked out that I thought were interesting about your message. And, I appreciate that. And I'm just, you know... I'm just excited to see where it goes, honestly. Yeah. Paul, you know, yeah. Oh, it's it's going places. It's going places. It is going places. <laughs> and that's why I think it's important for us to lay this groundwork. Yeah. You so know. what's your, uh, before we go, what's your passage for next week people can read ahead? 
Uh, I don't know where I'm going to cut it off just yet. Somewhere probably, in 1 Corinthians It's going to start at 18. Verse 18. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, what I could do is this like overview, really, of the whole passage. I think it's into chapter 3, verse 23, but somewhere in there. But I could just chop it, you know, and say this is the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man and, and mm-hmm. highlight certain verses. Yeah. So I may do that, um, but I may not. So I'll probably make the... I'll, put the final 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 <laughs> i'll put the final touches on it tomorrow cool. and, and be able to kind of muse and meditate it meditate on it throughout the week but excellent um i'd ra- part of me and it's kind of what happened this last week i was gonna just give this general overview and then dive into it and then i'm like no i gotta just sit in that you mm-hmm. know for a week so I, i'll see i think the synopsis or the overview of god's wisdom versus man's wisdom but honestly I could I could preach a whole message on verse eighteen. Yeah, so it's good. It's stuff. I, I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to cut it off at this point, um, but just start reading. You know, read chapter one, verse eighteen through maybe chapter four, and just see the the contrast because that's what he's doing. He's, yeah. he's just making a, a blatant contrast mm-hmm. uh, between you know the wisdom of the world versus God's wisdom. The Bible is yeah. is sometimes like a love sack. Mm. You just have to sit in it. Mm, good one. Mm. That's, that's a, good. It's a good quote. That's a tweetable there. quote right there. I, I that's think going up. That's I think going up we need social. a love sack in this office. Yeah, me Th- too. Those things. Yeah, are, I be bet great. you do. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Yeah, if you pay for it. Hey, comment on this video if you think I should have a love sack in my <laughs> office because I, I think I do. So if you want me to get one, if you've never sat on one, we'll you, set up a GoFundMe. GoFundMe. Yeah, we'll make it happen behind our paywall. Yep, our Patreon, our paywall that doesn't oh, exist. Man. Thank you but, so yeah. much, though, for joining us and for being a part of this conversation. Yes, thank you so much. This has been a long one, but um, it's been man, fun. These are these are fun conversations. Yeah. So we'll see you. you next week.